0: Hello, everyone. So today is a celebration because we have gotten to our fiftieth episode, and I am so so grateful for you following along. It obviously means so much to me. And also, we're going to be recapping. We're going to be explaining a, an analogy about the future of education, but through more alternative means, i.e., the singing competitions. So yeah bear with me it it will make sense and yeah that's it let's jump into it hey everyone welcome back and today is our 50th i can't even say the word the number 50th episode and here are some more cheers more balloons Because I can't believe that we started in 2020, in around July, June-ish time, and here we are. Um, I will provide a recap today, as well as, I was thinking, okay, initially I was thinking of starting with admin stuff, as in what updates there are, what blah blah blah, but I think that's a bit boring because we're still in the high of a celebration and um, just fun things. So I thought that I would start with a, an analogy that came to me. It's about a singing competition, how the singing competition really reflects how times, how things are changing in the world, how what we're offering right now in terms of schooling is just insufficient to meet what is required in the future. No more explaining. I'm just going to jump straight into it. So with the singing analogy, let's talk about Australian Idol. If you're in America, American Idol. Uh, Australia's Got Talent, The Voice. All of these shows are really testing how well the contestants can sing. So it's very specific in what they're looking for. They're looking for great singers with great uh, stage presence uh, who – who will go far if they have a nice voice. And it's really also asking you, how well can you sing someone else's song? So I'm not sure, I'm not up to date with the shows right now, but at least I know for a fact in the past, it was how well can you sing someone else's song and do it in a way that people are familiar with and enjoy. And in the past, it was that the people who got those records, who came first or second or whatever, were the ones who got assigned to some record labels. And therefore, that was their way into the music industry because it was so, so hard at that time to to basically get into that industry and make a name for yourself if you didn't have someone backing you and having a producer and a record label. All of that was necessary. And what we call gatekeepers – to get into the singing industry. Except now, things are changing so fast. We're seeing YouTube, we're seeing Spotify, we're uh, SoundCloud as well, where people can just post their music onto these platforms for free. They can just post it, edit it how they want, sing it how they want, post it, and people will be there whether it's in their country, whether it's across the world, will see their music, listen to their music, and if they like it, they will follow them. And you've seen so many, or at least for me, I've seen so many artists become famous or well-known this way, it's, it's just becoming the norm. For example, back when um, British YouTubers were becoming a thing, uh, I found Dodie on, uh, on YouTube listen to her music and now she's making music, making albums, making EPs, like it's insane and she has a huge following and that is again very normal. And so now we're seeing that gatekeepers, music record labels aren't something stopping you from getting into the industry itself and you'll see that people making these videos and creating these content are creating something that's quite unique for themselves. They're not trying to adapt to the pop industry or adapt to how you know people writing songs for you and making that a bit impersonal when you sing it. Everything that they have they're either doing a rendition or they're creating their own songs and becoming successful from that. So if we're going to use this analogy and bring it to the education system I associate the education system with something like Australia's Got Talent or uh, no, more so Australian Idol or The Voice where we're tested on how well we can do our year t- our year 12 exam. So for example in Melbourne it's the VCE exam and we're really brought up to learn in a way that actually complements this curriculum. And so at the end, we're tested on how well we understand the curriculum in the way that the exam is presented because the teachers actually put a lot of emphasis on, mm, for example, the English exam. In my time, it was three exams in three hours. I mean, <laughs> what am I saying? Three essays in three hours. And so a lot of it was actually teaching us how to write an essay in an hour, which obviously is not how all essays are written. But it's how the exam was structured. So they're teaching us a very specific way on how to get a high year 12 mark except the fact is that life and life beyond it and work beyond it will not always and quite rarely will reflect how year 12 is structured. Because going back to the idea of how times are changing, things aren't so predictable now we have to it's it's what we call like a creation sort of era where people are actually now valued on the ideas that they create and the innovation and the creativity that they have and the problem solving because things are moving so fast and we can know all the information but it's actually how we can use our skills to adapt this information to our needs, that's the hard part and something that we're not being taught. And so going back to that and uh, the singing where contestants are praised or go far based on how well they can sing instead of how well they can create a song or something, in the education system, it's the same. Like we're expected on how, no, we're valued on how well we can actually remember information instead of how to create things And again, that contrast for the future in which we need to know how to create and innovate and that's how we'll get far. So of course, you can start to see that there's a, what's the word? A hypocrisy? No, an inconsistency. That's right. An inconsistency between what we're offering in school and what we're needing for the future. And in terms of the idea of gatekeepers as well. So back when the singing industry you had to have a record label. Here, it was very much you needed a university degree to get a job that you wanted, or at least that's what universities pitched at us. Now, very different for, I guess, some sectors. For medicine, law, I damn well hope you have a degree because if you're taking out my appendix, I ooh, I just started watching uh, Dr. Death, for those of you who uh, have watched it, you understand that the, the premise is this doctor, real life, based on a real life man whose name I don't want to say because I just don't like the taste in my mouth of this, ugh, this, burr. anyway. So <laughs> his doctor would do surgeries and do them very incorrectly and would paralyze people and would create such or horrendous, just horrendous surgeries. And it took a while for the hospital to actually kick him out. And that just baffles me. I don't want a doctor like that. Again, I really, really, really hope that this doctor knows their stuff. (laughs) Tangent, I'm getting a bit triggered now. Uh, Going back, yes, some sectors you do need a gatekeeper. You do need a very rigorous exam to actually uh, test whether you are capable of becoming the doctor or a lawyer or something. Again, I'm not going to say that these exams are v- completely unflawed because they are flawed in some way. They rely on memorization, but that is beyond it. We do need something to weed out people. For other sectors though, for things like marketing, for things like based things, for uh, things like uh, HR even, I I don't know, but a lot of these industries or sectors don't actually need degrees and diplomas and transcripts. What they're looking for is, this isn't something that's changed, connections, that definitely does help, but also experience, practical experience or experience in which you have created something for yourself going back to the topic of idea creation and practical creation is can you create your own song can you create your own website dedicated to your sector and what it demands and be able to provide all these interesting ideas because someone will see that and go hey wow I really like your ideas do you want to jump on board even if you're not qualified quote-unquote qualified you have the right ideas, so technically this this um, transcript is actually not necessary because you've actually surpassed it and you've already started creating. That's what we found. And so I, that analogy, I guess, did come when I was <laughs> either in the shower or riding my bike, but it does actually provide some clarity around how the world is changing. And so in terms of... Actually, you know, what? I'm going to slot in now the little updates on this podcast. So first of all, there is a newsletter. So a very cool newsletter that I started last month and each month I will just be presenting or emailing out uh, my favorite things. So actually things that I think would benefit you, not, doesn't have to be education related, but could be a song that I really enjoy or a, or a resource that I think whether it's related to well-being, psychology, um, just funny stuff, I will link that. Uh, but also updates about education, what's happening in the space, uh, and anything else that I think that you would enjoy. And obviously, that requires feedback. Of course, that's another point. I would really, really love feedback. We're fifty episodes in. There's a lot of episodes to go. I'm not planning on stopping this podcast because I really do love talking about education and getting you involved in the process so if there's anything that you want to see if there is anything that you uh have latched on in these ideas so far in the podcast please email me it's jjyang at gmail.com I-T-S-J-Y-A-N-G at gmail.com i would love to hear from you um and what else oh yeah in terms of the future of course There is a topic called restorative justice, which I have just discovered, and I am just frothing over this whole topic. I will explain more about it. It's a lot of stuff, I guess, to do with the idea of punishment. So, if you haven't, if you don't know the term restorative justice, it is all about the, I guess, imprisonment and how to actually get inmates to recover in a way that is healthy because The research shows that prisons aren't useful in actually getting people to change because once someone comes out of prison, highly likely that they'll just revert back to their old ways and go back into prison. And that's a problem. And I saw similarities between that and school in terms of suspensions and detentions. They're actually a band-aid effect. You send them there, you send them home, but they'll come back and do it again because we haven't actually address the problem of why they're acting out. That is a huge topic. I've listened to podcasts. I'm ready to dedicate an episode to it. I'm very excited. So that you will see very, very soon. Uh, In terms of what we have covered in these 50 or so episodes, because um, I have actually done a recap 20 episodes ago, I think on the 30th episode, I did do a recap. So since then, we have interviewed a lot of people and we've also seen a lot of people dedicated to changing the uh, changing education and providing their own alternative spin on it, which is so exciting. So there is the most recent one, which is Primer, episode 49, with Ryan Delk, the CEO of Primer. And Primer, we dedicate a whole interview to it where he explains how Primer is an online, uh, not school. But more so, a platform for kids from 9 to 12 ish can come together and create and make, you know, innovate and have all these, have all this freedom to create and get feedback on it and just developing again the skills that we need for the future in terms of problem solving, creativity, all of that. And then there's Upstart Ed, of course, episode 31 and 32 with Diana Baranga. It's uh it's a program that's actually supplementing traditional curriculums in school. So offering things about design thinking, about uh, I guess design thinking means to identify a problem, create solutions for it, and to basically present that. So again, very necessary skills and also, focusing on well being and focusing on personal values and getting the student to be more introspective and know more about themselves. Um, again, amazing things. Please listen to that interview because Deanna is so, so inspiring and her work is so essential. We need it. We need it. 35, episode 35 is with Amy DeMont and she has created Celebrate Learning, which is in Queensland or in Brisbane, I guess. Brisbane is in Queensland, but yes, further out. And it is, again, another alternative for students who don't thrive in school. So this is a different one. It's for registered homeschoolers who have this space where they can still learn together, but it doesn't have the strict curriculum of school. Provides a lot of flexibility, provides a lot of mentoring. Please check that one out. So that's episode 35. And episode 40, I actually talked about Sal Khan's mastery uh, book as well as his school. So the school is really fascinating. I'm actually trying to get uh, or trying to interview someone from Sal's uh, school. So I will try and make that happen. I'm very excited because they are doing great things and his philosophies, his teaching philosophies, which I discuss in episode 40, very essential, very uh, intuitive, which makes you think, why aren't we doing it right now? All of that. So those are so many change makers within the education system just a few that I've interviewed, but there are so, so many more. Uh, And another thing that I emphasized a lot in the past episodes is about mental health and about making sure that kids feel comfortable and okay within the classroom. Because if a kid isn't, you know, isn't feeling mentally there, they're not going to prioritize learning because they have I guess it's survival mode. They need to focus on themselves first. And so I was actually researching this, what the stats were about mental health and and children especially. And it said that this study, I guess it was done in 2013, 2014. So nearly 10 years ago, it needs to be updated. So stats are definitely different. However, at that time, there were 3000 participants aged between 11 and 17 And it turns out that 20%, so one in five of these 3,000 participants showed signs of, it was high or very high levels of psychological distress, which is in itself a distressing statistic. And that was in 2013, 2014, when there was still a stigma around mental health. There is still a stigma even now, but compared to 2013, 2014, I think the numbers and the stats would be so much higher now, and so this is something that we really need to address: is mental health for students, and actually prioritising and teaching in a way that aligns with how we can make learning an enjoyable, enjoyable thing that makes the student feel like they're heard because the standardisation of the classroom, the the time restraints of the teacher being able to do one-on-one support with each student. It's very much lacking, and we need to change that some way. And I interviewed Sia, Dr. Sia, who's a registered psychotherapist, in episode 44. And we discussed the the toxic mindset behind attributing grades and achievements to self-worth. I offer a lot of scenarios for Sia to actually just dig into and offer his opinions. So one of them was uh, a kid who felt very uh, demotivated in schooling, online, online virtual learning. And why that was, why that actually attributes to more his upbringing way back when, like as a baby, as a child and how that's impacting him now, On the other hand, also a student, a hypothetical student, who tries so hard in school and does so many things, yet doesn't feel satisfied and and actually feels worse if they don't get a good grade. All because they've associated their self-worth with a grade, and how, again, Sia addresses that and says what we actually should be doing. So that is, again, very important stuff and something I dedicate a lot to on this podcast and what I will in the future too, as well as ending with the idea of shame. And I dedicated episode to labeling. I think that was episode 26 about why dumb and smart are really, really, I would go as far as to say toxic, toxic uh, words in the classroom, as well as mindset stuff, mindset episodes, which I have Again, I say this every episode, but I reference it a lot because it's valid. It's just growth mindset versus fixed mindset. If you're not sure what it is, please check those episodes out because they explain a lot of why students feel the need to meet high standards and feel awful when they don't Uh, and why some students don't even try because they've already given up and think that they can't actually grow into the skill instead of they just believe that you have to have the skill already. So in terms of resources for shame, I will definitely unpack Brene Brown's work because Brene Brown is, I can't remember, she's a researcher and speaker about shame, vulnerability, and uh, also how that affects our leading, how that affects our education, how that affects us. So feel free to just check out Brene Brown's stuff, but I will definitely dedicate episodes to her too. <sighs> I talked though. How many 20 20 minutes straight? Holy shit. Um okay, well that's all done. I hope you enjoyed today. Again, thank you. Thank you for sticking around for 50 episodes. Oh my God. Um, again, thank you. Thank you. I just appreciate you listening and being interested in education. So feedback is welcome. Of course, if you would like something, if you think something should change, if you, uh, yeah, anything. (laughs) please message me and I will see you next week. Bye.